Welcome to the Ready to Buy podcast. The podcast for busy young professionals like you to help get yourself and keep yourself ready to buy your dream home and keep your finances in shape. We know just how daunting it can feel, which is why over the coming weeks and months, we'll be discussing and simplifying moving, mortgages and money whilst hearing from some industry experts to help build your knowledge, understanding and confidence to be in the best shape you can be. The Ready to Buy podcast is brought to you by me, Mark Humphrey of MHC Mortgage and Protection Limited. And with over 20 years of experience in the mortgage industry, we help and support people like you buy their homes on a daily basis. We are passionate about making the process simple, easy, hassle and stress-free for all of our clients and we'll be sharing our knowledge, experience and loads of useful hints and tips throughout the series. You can find out more about us at mhcmortgages.co.uk and to make sure you never miss an episode you can subscribe at any podcast app out there including of course Spotify, Apple Music, Google Podcasts and Amazon. Welcome to today's episode. We're going to talk today about leasehold properties, and I'm delighted to have Vicky Herbert from the Thackeray Williams Solicitors join me today. She is an expert. She'll tell you more about herself in a minute. And we're going to be covering some of the things that are worth considering if you're looking at a leasehold property. So welcome, Vicky. Thanks for coming on. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Mark. Thanks for inviting me. So, as Mark said, I'm Vicky Herbert. I'm a solicitor and partner at Thackeray Williams Solicitors. I specialise in um, leasehold enfranchisement matters in particular, so anything really, though, to do with a residential lease. Um, I have been doing this for just over 20 years, so quite a long time now. Um, but hopefully I, I can give you some tips and guidance today on, on residential leasehold property. Fantastic. I, I know you will, um, Vicky, uh, as, I, as I know you, you quite well. And so let's, let's start at the beginning. So let's, let's, if you wouldn't mind, just explaining the difference between a leasehold and a, and a freehold property. It's probably a good place to start. Sure, um, absolutely. So a freehold property um, is where you would own the land and the building that sits on the land. Um, a leasehold property is slightly different in that essentially it's a long-term let. You're renting long-term. So you don't own the land. You, you just, you're renting the building that sits on the land. That's the main difference. I'm with you. So in, in effect, you own whichever way you own your property, but with a leasehold, you don't own the land, you rent it off somebody else. And, and right. with a freehold, you own it all. That's right. And so is it fair to say that in most occasions, you tend to find a, a house, for example, would tend to be freehold, although there are some exceptions, whereas a flat will tend to be a leasehold. Again, there, there are exceptions. Yes, that's right. Um, so a house these days should be freehold. In, in the past, there have been leasehold houses. That's now abolished, so we can't have leasehold houses. Um, but flats will have to be leasehold. You can't have a freehold flat. There is another ownership called Common Hold. That's a whole other podcast. Yeah. <laughs> we won't go into 
now. I think there's only a handful of them in the whole country. Um, but but if it's a flat, then it's definitely going to be leasehold. You'll get you'll get a share of freehold, which basically just means you you've still got a leasehold flat, but you've got a share in the freehold interest. Um, and you know that that's a good thing for for most leaseholders to have. Um, but, but that's the, that's the difference. Excellent. And that's I think that's that's very clear, Vicky. And I know a number of my clients based up north and in Manchester and in Yorkshire that actually own houses that are leasehold. And so they would continue to be leasehold until essentially they buy out the, the freehold. Is that fair to say? Yes, that's right. There is legislation that allows leaseholders of housing that, that's really useful for them to, to be able to do. Um, but you know, there's no there's no problem with them having a leasehold house at the moment. But in the long term, it might cause difficulties when they come to sell because people will expect a house to be freehold. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that that's good to know. Thank you for that. So let's start to talk about some of the, the the considerations then so if i'm going out looking to buy a property and it it may it may be a choice between a leasehold property and a freeholder it may simply be that we're just looking at uh, a flats or leasehold properties so ground rents so do do you want to explain a bit about ground rents and and service charges actually and, and firstly what they entail and then some of the considerations around that would be great. Yeah, of course. So ground rent is essentially a rent that you pay um, to rent the ground from the freeholder. So as I said, um, a leasehold property, you don't own the ground, the, the freeholder owns that still. So the ground rent is the rent that you're paying to that freeholder to, to be able to have the flat on, on the ground. Um, it should be a fixed amount. It should be relatively low. Um, the, I'm sure all of your listeners would have read lots in the press about onerous ground rents. It's a huge, huge thing at the moment. Um, and the government are looking to, to reform ground rents. I could talk for hours about ground rents. So, you know, I'm going to try to keep it brief here. Um, ultimately, provided the rent is below £250 per annum or £1,000 per annum in Greater London, you're OK. Right. <laughs> that That's... That's the first thing and, um, you know, the first thing to, to really make sure of. If it's not, then we'll need to look into doing a deed of variation and um, amending the ground rent with the freeholder. I'm with you. So that's 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 quite clear. And I think it already, the importance of using a, a good solicitor or conveyancer, which is another term, a bit of terminology for, for the same thing, the importance is, is really is real, isn't it, Vicky? Yeah. Absolutely. And at this point, I would say there's nothing wrong with leaseholds per se. They've had a really bad press at the moment because of onerous ground rents and some dodgy freeholders. Um, but there's nothing wrong with them per se. If you've got a decent conveyancer or a solicitor, they will be able to advise you um, if the lease is onerous or not. Obviously, if it is onerous, we'd be suggesting walk away. Or, or if there's anything that we can do to vary the lease to, to help you out, then, then great. Um, but there's nothing to worry about, really, with with um, many leaseholds. Yeah, that's that's great. And so you talked about the the annual limits of the the ground rent, so the two hundred and fifty pounds outside of Greater London, thousand pounds within. 
So that's fine if it's static and it and it remains. So what if I'm looking at a property where the ground rent is increasing? So so for example, after so many years, it may increase by a percentage um, or or a set pound amount. So what do I need to consider then in okay, those situations? This is constantly changing, but at the moment, um, most lenders will accept an RPI ground rent, so a rent that goes up in accordance with the retail prices index. Anything other than that is not going to be acceptable to, to a mortgage lender. So um, it, it's quite common to have a rent that it might be £100 to start with, and then in 10 years' time, it goes up in accordance with RPI, provided it doesn't ever go above that threshold of £250 per annum or £1,000 in Greater London, then, then we're OK. The other um, common uh, ground rent is a doubling ground rent, which again is fine, provided it doesn't go above those limits and provided it doesn't double more than every 25 years, then, then you'll be okay for, for mortgage lenders. Right. That's, I think that's, think that's really clear. And as we said, if in doubt, ask. That's one of the things. And one of the things that we say on the podcast, we have a feature, which is the no silly questions. And <laughs> I, I encourage all of my clients to talk to me and ask me any questions throughout the whole process. And I'm sure you're exactly the same when, when you're looking after clients and organizing their conveyancing, so their legal work in, in a purchase or a house move or a remortgage come to that, that they ask. If anything's not clear, they ask. Yes, absolutely. Just um, no silly questions at all. Ask your conveyancer, ask your solicitor. Really, you need to know about the length of term of the lease and the ground rent at the very outset. They're, they're the most um, important important questions and, and don't hesitate to ask anything. Yeah, and that's, that's a good point. And I, I must admit, when I speak with clients and I know that we've spoken them before, they're going out and looking at properties. These would be the types of things that I would encourage them to ask the agents and really get a feel for a property because what you don't want to do is fall in love with with a property and then realize that actually there's something there that we could have found out quite straight that was quite straightforward that is either mm. going to mean that it's a world of pain or it's simply not viable with that property um yeah. so so the more info up front is is better and again it might just be a case of getting that information and relaying it back to your solicitor or your mortgage broker to get their their thoughts on it um, which is often the case. Um, so there's a, an initiative that's coming out next April whereby it's a bit similar to what we used to call HIPS years ago now, um, where we're trying to get information to the forefront of a transaction. So before a property goes on the market, the agent will need to know certain information about the lease, about the property, that will include the rent and the term. So a buyer should have that information before they go and even view the property, which is hugely help in, and save them costs as you said um you know they'll, they'll have that information at the outset that's that really is fantastic and like i say it's quite simple isn't it the amount of information there's not loads of it it's just understanding those key bits to it and so so that's april 2023 yeah uh, it's next year now yeah. yeah yeah okay perfect well that that's good to know that that's on the way and and that sort of leads us on i think in in uh, very closely linked to that are the service charges so what what's a service charge and give us a sort of distinction between the ground rent and the service charge would be useful okay to start. yep sure so the ground rent is a fixed rent it's set out in the lease clearly exactly what it's going to be throughout the term of the lease 
or should be. Um, a service charge is variable. It's the charge that you pay to the freeholder or a management company to maintain the common parts, the structure of the building, the insurance, any gardens, anything that's used um, communi communally. Um, so that, that's the main difference. Obviously, it's variable. You, you don't know exactly how much it's going to be from year to year. Um, and it's, you know, it's another one of those things. It's important to find out how much the service charge has been historically so that you can see, are you going into a property that's got a, a, a good freeholder? A freeholder shouldn't be making any money out of the service charge. It is just um, costs that they've incurred to, to carry out works and, and carry out maintenance at the building. Yeah, absolutely. That makes sense. And, and in, in, I say to my clients, in real simple terms, in terms of looking after things like the roof or the communal walkway or painting the building, they're all things that actually one person needs to be in charge of and therefore you share the yeah. cost. And that's that's the principle, isn't it? And I suppose, are you, are you seeing many issues with, with really expensive service charges and, and variable charges from, from your... We do because we deal with a lot of property litigation as well. I don't personally, but but uh, my firm does. So we have experience of taking matters to the tribunal to determine service charges if it's felt that service charges are unreasonable. So you do have some recourse. Um, obviously, there's, there's cost implications, but um, a freeholder can't be unreasonable with their service charges. There, there, is, there is action that you can take if, if need be. Um, there are definitely some notorious freeholders out there who do what they can to, to make a profit out of service charges, but hopefully they're becoming less and less now. Yeah, perfect. And I, I guess that can be minimised, like you say, doing your research up front, looking at track record, looking at essentially that's the past behaviour of the freehold, what's been done, getting a feel for maybe speaking with other people within the, the building, for example, to, mm. to, to get a feel for, for the for the what the freeholder or what what the um what the freeholders like to deal with yeah that's right absolutely yeah definitely not a silly question each episode we like to answer a question that i might have been asked this week because something we don't know no matter how big or small particularly when it comes to money mortgages and finance will cause unnecessary stress. So I say to all of my clients, they're really genuinely are no silly questions. So the question I've been asked this week is, is it harder to get a mortgage on a flat near shops or commercial premises? That's a really good question and possibly harder or possibly your options may be a little bit more limited than if they weren't near shops but it it really comes down to each individual property in that case and how close it is to shops the type of area essentially the lender wants to know worst case scenario if you never pay the mortgage or you stop paying the mortgage and they have to take the property off you and sell it how does that affect saleability of the property so is it going to be easy to sell so if it's directly above a fish and chip shop or a, a tattoo parlour or or a pub or something like that, it may restrict future saleability, which potentially makes it harder to find a mortgage lender that might be happy to lend upon it. You may also find that the lender requires a higher deposit on it than maybe a flat that isn't close to commercial premises. 
So there are quite a few things to consider. And this is, again, where a mortgage broker will be really useful because they'll be able to get details of the property from you, speak with their relationship managers and their contacts at all of the various lenders across the market and ascertain which ones would consider it and which ones wouldn't. Whereas if you go to your bank, they may do, they may not, but there could be a lot of, no, we can't help and moving on to the next one. So could be a lot more work in there for you. The area in which the property is located as well may have some bearing. So for example, uh, above commercial premises or close to commercial premises in a highly desirable area may be less impacted than maybe a property in a less desirable area, if that makes sense. So quite a lot of things to consider. Ultimately, yes, potentially it could be a little bit harder, but it really depends on lots of different factors get as much info as you can and your broker will help you from there if you have a question you'd like to ask anything at all please contact me mark humphrey via inquiries at mhcmortgages.co.uk not only will i answer your question nice and quickly but i promise i'll try and share your question in future episodes as you can be sure you'll not be the only one that's thought of that question If you're enjoying the podcast, you can help us reach and help many, many more people like yourself by leaving us a five-star review on whichever platform you get your podcast and by sharing the podcast on your social media channels. Next thing I wanted to sort of talk through was, was about the consent so if I've I've bought a flat, for example, I'm in in a block and I I want to do something to the to the property. So I can't just go ahead and do if it was anything structural. Appreciate with a flat, you are a bit limited as to anything structural. But if, if I wanted to change something quite significant, or if I wanted to even to remortgage at the end of my rate, I have to go and get permission, don't I, from from the freeholder. Usually, it does depend on the wording of the lease, and leases do vary significantly. So there's not a straightforward answer to this. It's not every time you have to get consent for for X, Y, and Z. Um, The most straightforward one is the the remortgage point that you mentioned. Usually, you wouldn't have to get consent from the freeholder, but you would need to give them a notice afterwards to say, I've remortgaged, this is the the new mortgage company, Um, and there'll be a charge for them to, to accept that notice which should be a reasonable fee. Um, Again, the lease should detail how much that charge is going to be. In terms of any alterations, um, the lease should detail if you're allowed to make internal non-structural alterations or not. It is quite common that you can make them with freeholder consent. So just, you know, advice really is to follow exactly what the lease says. If it says you need to get three copies of your plans and send those to the freeholder to approve, that's what you do. Um, the freeholder is entitled to charge costs um, to, to approve and to provide consent. But again, they should be reasonable um, and just comply with the conditions in the lease and, and everything will be fine. Yeah, which is common sense, isn't it? But I suppose that the key thing there is that I've picked out of reasonable costs so that that they're only allowed to charge reasonable costs of administering your request, that sort of thing. So we're not talking thousands of pounds, we're talking administrational costs, aren't we? 
Yes, yeah, and there'll probably be legal fees as well. So it's gonna it will run to hundreds um, if you want to carry out works. And if you need surveyors as well, then obviously there's going to be additional costs for that. I, I suppose the other the other things that people don't really always pay attention to when they're reading the lease buying a property. Um, if they want to have wooden floors, they might pull the carpets up and, and replace them with wooden floors. A lot of leases don't allow you to have wooden flooring just because of the noise impact to other flats in, in, in the building. Um, so read, read the conditions and restrictions carefully and make sure that you know, if you do want to, to replace the, the carpets with wooden floor that you're allowed to do so under the lease. Yeah, makes sense. And it goes back to doing your homework, doesn't it? And and your your solicitor conveyancer at the start when you're buying the property is explaining actually what are you getting yourself in for, what what things to consider, and and equally if you're not quite sure about anything, ask at, at that time. Yeah, and one really important point actually to say is the solicitor will spend a long time doing a report on title to you, um, explaining the terms of the lease, everything else to do with the title. They should go through those restrictions and covenants in the lease with you. Please make time to read that report and read the lease carefully. Any questions on them, then always ask your solicitor. But if you've read it, then you'll know exactly what you can and can't do. Yeah, and that, oh, that's great advice because I think we're all guilty in in sort of everyday life of we get we get mountains of paperwork or we get long reports we don't necessarily we might skim through or not read all the detail but actually this is the probably the biggest purchase you're ever going to make or one of them and so actually take a bit of time and take a bit of time read through and make sure Definitely. And, you know, I know that leases can be daunting for people. They're very long. You know, usually they're 40 pages or, or so. Um, I'm not asking you to read every single page, but your solicitor will be able to point out the important clauses for you to, to know what your restrictions and covenants are and, and what you can and can't do. And they're the important points for you to read. Yeah, fantastic. Well, that that's great. And so leading us on to our, our final point then, Vicky, was around the, the term of leases. So we said essentially a lease is you're renting that, that, uh, the land for a, essentially for a period of time, aren't you? So anybody that's looked at leasehold properties before will know that the lease will have a duration. It can be anything up to 999 years. And so there's no real time set for what the maximum term of a lease can be, but historically it's 999 years. And you'll generally find that a lease is 999 years if the leaseholder has got a share of the freehold interest um, because they don't need to retain any value in the freehold. So 999 years is adequate for everybody in, in the world. <laughs> Um, in terms of the lower end of, of the spectrum, so historically new leases were always granted at 99 years or 125 years, which seems plenty, you know, that's going to outlive me. Um, so mortgage lenders will all have an idea as, as to what length of term they're happy to, to lend uh, monies on. That, that term is getting higher and higher. So whereas a few years ago, we could accept terms of 60 years, 50 years maybe. Now, mortgage lenders will require that the lease term to be well over 80 years. So 85, 90 years is not uncommon before we'd be asking for a lease extension. So forget 
the years being that's ample, that's plenty of time for me to live and think about a lease can't have less than around about 90 years to run. If it's got less than that, we need to get a lease extension. Yeah, it makes sense. And you, you're absolutely right. I mean, I, I joined the mortgage world in, in the early noughties and the mortgage term, the maximum tended to be 25 years. And as property prices have, have sort of skyrocketed over the, the last 20 years, the need to spread mortgage payments over a longer period has, has increased significantly. And what was 35 years for, for quite some time had been the maximum term, but for the past several years, we're actually looking at up to 40 years for some of the lenders out there. And so if you consider lenders will always take the, the view when you first take a mortgage is that it's possible that you could end up not going to any other lender, continue to pay that mortgage. And at the end of that mortgage, 40 years. Now, at the end of that, that 40 year term, if you've only got 50 years left, for example, and that it demonstrates your point, that's not actually that long left on on the lease. And in 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 theory, Vicky, I know in, in practice, it doesn't tend to happen. But if if you got to the point where the lease is up, and there are no more years left on the lease, what would happen? <laughs> That's a good question. Um, so it, it, you, you basically still have a tenancy. You're not chucked out of the property, um, but you don't really have much protection. You're not going to be able to get a mortgage over it. You're not going to be able to release any, any money. And if you wanted to have an, another lease, you're going to have to buy an extended term from the freeholder. And at that time, it's going to cost you the, the same as the market value of, of the property. Um, so it's going to be very expensive. But an, a, another reason why mortgage lenders don't let the term drop too low is because if they take back possession of the property because you default in the mortgage, they need to sell the property. And in order to sell it, they're going to have to carry out a lease extension. Um, a lease extension means you're paying a premium to the freeholder in exchange for some extra years of, of term. And there's a couple of really important points. So when the lease drop, drop, sorry, when the lease drops below 80 years, something called marriage value attracts to, to the premium for a lease extension, which makes the premium significantly more expensive. And then it carries on becoming more expensive throughout the whole, whole term. Um, again, it goes up at 40 years, which is another um, milestone for, for a lease. So even if somebody is listening to this who is not considering selling or buying a property um, but have got a leasehold property that's nearing 80 years on the term you really need to do something about extending the lease before it drops below 80 years right great great advice and it's something there there's probably no point me asking what does it cost to extend a lease because it is very much a, a how long is it is a piece of string it potentially many many thousands tens of thousands can't it ultimately it will depend on a few factors won't it yeah absolutely there is an online calculator that gives you a very rough idea but i would usually recommend people speak to a specialist surveyor um because it's a very complicated calculation to come out with the with the premium but just as you know it, it it's if you've got above 80 years on the term then it's going to be minimal thousands um if the term i've got one at the moment where I think there's about 34 years left to run on the lease. So it's one of the shortest ones that I've come across to do a lease extension. And the premium is going to be in the region of about £115,000. Um, but it, it, 
it is based on the level of ground rent, the market value of the property and the number of years that are left. Um, so there's lots of factors involved in working out the premium for a lease extension. Excellent. And and with that with that premium that the freeholder can charge, so is, is that preset by the calculations or are they able to have some, some influence as to what they decide mm-hmm. to charge? Um, it's it's really difficult to to explain to be honest with you um it's not a calculation that's fixed so the surveyor acting for for the freeholder and the surveyor acting for the leaseholder will come up with a whole range of premiums that can be justified for the lease extension and then it's a case of negotiating why one should be listened to rather than the other um it is something that the government are looking to reform um, and there will be reforms to the lease extension process and in particular valuations when that happens we we don't know but uh, it's going to it's going to be within maybe the next five years or so okay so very much watch this space Um, well that's great and uh, thanks so much for sharing the insight across all of those things I I think I know having spoken to you um, before that actually there's one sort of message that we want to get across to listeners that whilst there are a lot of considerations you shouldn't be put off looking at a no. leasehold property that's right absolutely right as i said earlier leasehold per se is is fine there's nothing wrong with the principle of it we just need to make sure that the lease is adequate it's not onerous it contains all of the rights that, that you need it to do um, it's got accurate ground rents and, and term and there, there won't be any problems so a really decent solicitor conveyancer finding out information at the outset and um, don't don't be put off. Fantastic. Well, absolutely great advice, Vicky. Thanks so much for coming. One last thing, if any of our listeners would like to get in touch um, with you, either if they've got a question about leases, I know you, you could talk all day about, about oh, leases, no. um, or if they want to get in touch and, and look at, at your services at, at Thackeray Williams, how do they get in touch? Thanks, Mark. Yeah, of course. So firstly, if they're a client of yours and you want to ping their details over to me, I'm always happy to talk to anybody about property. Um, So you can either um, have a look at our website, thackraywilliams.com, give us a ring or or drop me an email. So I'm um, Vicky Herbert, V-I-W-K-I dot Herbert at thackraywilliams.com for emails. If you wanted to give um, our switchboard a ring and to be put through to somebody in, in my team, the number is 0208 290 um, and our website, thackraywilliams.com. Fantastic. Thank you. We will put that on the show notes as well. So don't worry if you're furiously scribbing away with a pen uh, trying to get that all down. Sorry, I was a bit quick, uh, wasn't I, with uh, that? <laughs> no, that, that's great. Well, thanks once again, Vicky. Really appreciate your time today. There's been some great things that we've shared there. And hopefully we can get you back on future episodes and as things change and, and with updates in the future. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm more than happy to come back and talk to you again about anything property related. Um, Yeah, as we said, I could talk for ages about it. I'm quite passionate about property. Yeah, it really comes across. Right. Thanks, Vicky. Speak soon. Okay. Thanks for your time, Mark. Thanks. Bye. Thanks. Bye. Thanks so much for listening today. I really hope that you've enjoyed the episode and found it helpful. We'd love you to join us next time when I'll be discussing more hints and top tips from the world of money, mortgages and moving. 
In the meantime, please get in touch if you'd like some help or have a question about your own personal situation. You can contact me at inquiries at mhcmortgages.co.uk and my details will also be in the show notes. Until next time, take care. Thank you.